I'm a really bad gift giver. I'm a really good gift receiver. I like getting stuff. Just not real good at, uh, at giving gifts. Because uh, I, I, I don't always pay attention. And so, uh, you know, so every, every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, I'll pay attention. And, um, and Holly will get something good for Christmas or birthday. But mainly, I'm always tempted to buy socks and bubble gum because I'm not really paying attention. You know, I don't really know. I'm just not good at getting gifts, the pressure. And then here, here, I love you so much. Here's a gift card to Outback Steakhouse. I just, I don't know what to do. So every once in a while, once a blue moon, the heavens will open and I'll get a good idea and buy a good gift for Holly or people that I love. But a lot of times it's beef jerky, you know, and I just do the best I can. So I'm not a, I'm not a good gift giver. I don't mean to. So I'm sorry for being a bad gift giver, Holly. Uh, but, you know, you got in me and really what more could you want? I think I, what's that? <laughs> I, think, I think I got hissed at by the choir. I didn't, I didn't know choirs hissed, but I guess mine does. So. Um, but apparently I'm not the only bad gift to give her out there. Because are you, are you familiar with gift receipts? You know, you'll go into a Best Buy or an electronics place and you'll, or I guess even Walmart, you'll buy something, a gift, and they'll say, is this for a gift for somebody else? And I'll say, no, I'm buying it. It's for me. It looks awesome. I'm buying cool stuff for me, not for them. So, but they'll say, would you like a gift receipt? Because apparently, apparently we do such a bad job of giving receipts, uh, getting gifts rather, that they just now will give you a receipt to attach to the gift. So that way after Christmas and they say, oh, I've always wanted this. Then the next day they can go exchange it. Because if you retail, retailers tell us that the largest day of retail activity is uh, Black Friday. Black Friday remains the biggest day of, of, of activity. But the second biggest day now in society is the day after Christmas. When everybody takes the stuff that they were so excited to get on Christmas Day and takes their gift receipts and goes to Best Buy or Walmart and then exchanges it for what they really want. I mean, that's what happens now. People just gift exchanges, gift returns are almost built into the consumer system. These gift receipts make it easy and efficient, and we just now assume that we're going to get things exchanged. That's just the way it works. Makes it a lot easier for me, so here's some beef jerky. Go get what you want, you know? Makes my life easier. So I was thinking about that this week. Exchanges. Returning things. Get what you really want. Thinking about the lives that we live nowadays. Uh, some of my friends in ministry joke at me that I don't have an unpublished thought. Um, if I say it, I pretty much say it on Facebook. I pretty much put it on Facebook. So uh, if you're on social media, you'll get all kind of random things from me. Like I put a really sweet picture of me and Tim on there this morning. Me and Tim got a good selfie before worship. Um, so, but here's what I found about Facebook and social media and Twitter, these type of things. It's not our real life. It's our perfect life that we want others to think that we're living. Every picture is perfect. 
Every statement is perfect. And everything we do on these social media platforms is for others to see, to convince them, and maybe to convince ourselves that we live the perfect life. Not a hair is out of place. Not a statement incorrect. Everything is seemingly perfect. That's the life that we live for others to see. And of course, it's always been like that. It looks like that on social media now, but that's, y'all, I'm a big believer in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. The same things we struggle with now are the same things that Christians have struggled with for thousands of years. But we see it now lived out this way, where what we see publicly is a false reality of false perfection for others to see. And I think we're, you know what we're finding in our, in our society now is that it's exhausting. I think it's one of the reasons why we're so tired. Is we're living lives that we don't even like. <laughs> you know, we're not happy. But we're living these lives for others to see so that our life looks perfect. And so just like every gift must be perfect and every story must be perfect and everything must be perfect, we live our life publicly for the world to see, to give them an image of perfection. And it is so exhausting. So, so many of us this morning are almost dreading the birth of the one sent by the Father to save the people from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us. On Christmas Day, the incarnation happened. And in the incarnation, God so loved the world that he gave his son to save us from our sins. It is literally the greatest moment in human history. Incarnation. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. There is nothing better than Christmas. God came to save the world and show us how to love each other and care for each other and show grace to each other. Wow. It's so much more than the pressure of getting the perfect gift. It's so much more than the pressure of the perfect meal. It's so much more than all these things that we place upon us that make us dread it. You are allowed in Christmas to breathe. And if we want to go from preaching to meddling... If we want to keep Christ in Christmas, maybe above all else, we should take time to remember the joy of our salvation and serve others as Christ would have us serve. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law was love and his gospel is peace. I've been thinking about those words from O Holy Night so much these last few weeks. We get so tired of living lives for others to see. I think that's why this is an exhausting season. So, David today says this. Do not cast me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Today, this season of Advent, this season of hope and joy and love and peace, our God wants to take your stuff, whatever it is, 
Whatever it is you're feeling now, whatever it is you're dreading now, whatever it is you're living under now, whatever it is, whether it be the stress of Christmas, whether it be family conflict, whether it be discord at work, whether it be discord in your own soul, whatever it is right now that's heavy upon your heart, whatever it is right now that's taking your joy, whatever it is right now that's stealing your peace, whatever it is right now that's just up against you right now and making you tired. Today, our Lord says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. God wants to exchange it. God wants to take that stuff and give you himself, give you life and joy and peace and mercy and hope. He wants to take that stuff off of you. He wants to take it away from you and let you live. Let you breathe. Let you release. He wants to take all of these things and restore to us the joy of our salvation. And remember what matters most. Remember the life found in Jesus Christ. And y'all, life is not perfect. It's far from it. But God is good in spite of the mess, in spite of the worry, in spite of the anxiety, in spite of all that happens from it. God is good regardless because he is good and his mercy, it endures forever. God wants to take those things and exchange them so that you can live now. See, here's the thing. Life is never perfect. But God's always good. And when we embrace that, when we embrace the imperfections of it all, and we let him give us his grace, we remember what really counts. When we were in in Pedal, the church there, we did Sunday morning small groups. But they also did a lot of off-site Sunday, you know, Sunday night and weeknight small groups. And we were hosting a small group at our house one time. Uh, Holly was teaching a class on parenting. And, um, and we were getting ready. So, you know, we had company coming over. So, you know, like when I was a kid, we had company come over. over. I was told to leave and not come home till they left. <laughs> Where do I go, Mom? I don't care. Leave. And don't come home till there's no cars left in the driveway. So, um, yes, ma'am, that's what I did. So, uh, so we were getting the house ready. We were cleaning, and we were getting ready. You know, you know how it is when you got company coming? You get stressed, and you get worried because you want everything to be perfect. So there we were getting ready for this first small group. We were excited about it. It was going to be good. We were in the kitchen getting things ready, and um, we had a door fall off the cabinet. Just pop, falls off. Okay, we got company coming in five minutes. What do we do? Well, being the genius engineer that I am, I take a brick. And I put the brick under the door and just kind of wedge it in there. Well, now we can't open the cabinet, but guess what? It's not going to fall off, so it's all good. So there we were, five minutes before a company comes over the house to do a church small group. I'm taking bricks and stacking them against cabinets. Welcome to Redneck City, Bogachetta, Mississippi. (laughs) But you know what? It's a great small group. And lives were changed in spite of the way I rigged a brick between the cabinet door to hold it on. 
And yes, it looked ridiculous. And that's okay. Because it's not about how it looks. It's not about how it looks. Friends, let me say it again. It's not about how it looks. It's about who is Lord. He wants to take the anxiety that we feel right now and give us his grace and give us his life and give us his purpose. The altar, to me, is the most sacred place in our church. I grew up at Johnson Chapel United Methodist Church. And what we did every Sunday night, after the preacher prentice preaching, we had family prayer time at the altar. We'd come down as families. We'd pray. I remember spending many a Sunday night coming to the altar with my mom and my granny. We just hold hands and pray at the altar. And not, Lord, save me prayers, but just, Lord, be with me this week. Lord, help me. Every Sunday I say, I don't know where you are, but Lord Jesus is standing here ready to meet you. Now, I know this is Madison. We don't want to go to the altar. Everybody's going to start gossip about why we went to the altar. Oh, why Tim go to the altar? What's wrong with him? I know that. Say my first rodeo. But I'm telling y'all, there's some stuff here some of us are carrying that we're tired of carrying. And oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Y'all, he longs to exchange. He longs to exchange. He longs to take your stuff. He longs to take your pain. He longs to take your brokenness. He longs to take your life. All these things that heavy, are heavy laden upon us and give us in return his life, his peace, his joy, his purpose, his all in all. He longs to. Come to you, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Today, will you exchange? Will you exchange that thing that you're carrying, that you're tired of carrying? Will you exchange, exchange the stress of the perfect life that you don't even want to try to live anymore? Will you exchange all these things swirling around us? Will you give them to our God? And in its place, will you find life greater than you can ever imagine? Will you exchange your stuff for his life? And will you find in his life all that you ever really need? Let us pray.